0: This is episode 343 of The Real Me and Colon, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase is going to take a look at a couple of films from last year that are super controversial online: Matrix Resurrections and Licorice Pizza. What will he think of both of them? Well, you just have to tune in and find out. This episode starts right now. What is going on everyone and welcome to another episode of the Real Me and Cole in the Movie Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Chase Lee, and thank you for joining me on this day or night or whenever you're listening to this. Uh, that's very much appreciated. I appreciate it no matter what day or what time you're listening to it because this transcends the 24 hours. You can listen to it beyond the 24 hours. Listen to it on the 25th hour. Does that make any sense? Absolutely not. But... Um, Yes, uh, welcome um, to the episode and before I begin the episode, if you could spread this episode around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to, that would be much appreciated. Uh, you know, maybe there's someone out there in your your friend circle or your family circle that just, they're just like, I, what's the deal with movies? What What is that? And you're like, hold on fam. Well, actually, I probably shouldn't say fam anymore. I've been called out several times by a couple of listeners not to say that anymore. But they say, you're like, oh, okay, hold, hold on. Hold on, chief. The movies are cool. And maybe you should listen to this podcast. Um, I listen to it. Pretty cool. Pretty chill dude. Um, and maybe we can turn them into movie fans. I think that would, be, uh, that would be awesome to have more people join this community. So, yeah, it is episode 343. Uh, getting up there in the numbers. The main reviews of Conversation are going to be Matrix Resurrections, which is, seems like either people love it or hate it, and Licorice Pizza, same thing, love it or hate it, um, so, <laughs> gonna be a fun one, um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I, there was a lot of movies that I missed last year, and that I wanted to review for you guys, especially ones that could be up for awards consideration, I'm kind of doing a lot of catch-up right now, um, just so I could be prepared for the um, Oscar nominations and make sure I have, I've seen most of the films that are nominated. So I have a feeling Matrix Resurrections could be nominated in the technical stuff, and then Licorice Pizza could be nominated for a screenplay or performances or directing and, or picture. Um, so it just makes sense to me to kind of group these up together. So, but that is the main topics of conversation. But I got to ask every single time. How you guys doing? You guys doing pretty good? Um, it is uh, middle of January. Uh, fun stuff. Um, it is, this is almost my birthday. Crazy stuff. I'll be 32 next Wednesday, January 19th. And also, one of the listeners of uh, this show is uh, one of my good friends, whose birthday is also coming up on the 17th. So, we just uh, we love this time of month. <laughs> uh, me and my friends. So, yeah... Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's what's happening next week. Uh, Thirty-two, just getting up there in age, and I don't look a day over fifty-seven. So you know, it's just uh, I'm I'm enjoying um, aging, you know. Uh, so yeah, that's what's been going on with that. And then uh, I've been catching up on just stuff uh, for you guys. Been watching the Scream films. I've uh, finished three. Gonna be watching four here pretty soon to prepare for number five because um, that will be the um, uh episode 344 which would be just the whole Scream franchise basically but catching up on that uh catching up on my shows oh I saw the premiere episode of this is us the final season you know what I could be having like the worst day possible you watch that show you're gonna be crying your little eyes out I don't care if you proclaim to me that you are a strong person and you haven't cried in 27 years. If you watch that show, you will be bawling your eyes out. And once again, I I, I know it's manipulation, and that's the whole that's what movie and TV uh, is is just a, a very high form of manipulation, emotional manipula- manip- manipulation. You watch like 10 seconds of that show, you're already crying, and it's just like, come come on, dude, like. It's like Tuesday morning. I don't want to be doing this right now. But yeah, I watched the um, season opener to that show. It stung me in the heart like it normally does. And I'll be curious to know how they wrap it up and uh, end the show. Um, And then, of course, last night, Euphoria Season 2 and Righteous Gemstone Season 2 both dropped. Super excited for both of these to come back, especially Euphoria. It's been like, what? Four years since season one. Because season one came out in 2018, I believe. Whew, either way, um, this season opener was a banger. It was so good. Um, I know A24 is behind it, so it's going to have like some prestige to it. But there was something about this opener that I hadn't experienced in quite some time from a TV show. It was just this potent crazy euphoric type of um uh episode that just really just entranced you the cinematography on the show is out of bounds is too good um it's almost like they they pitched this uh idea to hbo and they're like we want to make a show about teenagers in high school you know really losing themselves and drugs sex and debauchery violence like you know, uh, and they're just like, "Oh, that sounds like stuff we've done before." And they're like, "Whoa, wait, what if we presented it like this?" And they showed like a little reel from, um, like, just from a film, uh, film stock that they shot themselves. And they're like, "Oh yeah, I like this aesthetic. Let's, uh, let's do it." It's gorgeous, and this in this opening episode was just—it was so, um, like, <sighs> I don't know how to put it. Like, as soon as the, as soon as it starts. You're already on edge. The anxiety shoots through the roof as you watch this show. But you're just so fascinated by people just screwing up and, like, stumbling over each other. And, like, the drama that just ensues. And, like, you're just in it. And it's just, it's a a toxic relationship. But you're like, I can't look away. This car crash is just so, so fascinating. Um, Yeah, it was such a great episode. uh, Euphoria Season 2. So, Um, and it, what was really cool was watching the end of the episode where they had their behind the scenes, like, Hey, this is, you know, what we're doing for season two and all that stuff. Um, they had Kodak start up a like restart up their factory to make film print for them. That is crazy. Cause when you watch it, it's definitely different than all the other HBO max shows and HBO shows because it's shot on film. It has like that grainy texture. It looks vintage. It looks just clean. It looks really beautiful and haunting. It just it adds so much texture to the story and to the characters and the environment. Um, and as the, the DP was talking, he was like, yeah, I wanted to shoot it on film and make it feel like this was a, a memory or make it feel like they, these were photographs or like things that um, people were... Uh, experiencing in high school I wanted to kind of capture that like kind of flashback memory mentality and it works so well for um this uh this story and it just it, it feels it feels right and I just it's so good so so good so I, I don't know how the, uh, the rest of the season will go but the opener very good stuff and then the righteous gemstone season two um was good it, it's a good start it, it's uh the type of drama that I thought the characters were going to uh, go go down, if you guys haven't seen it, it's um, Danny McBride, Adam Devine. Um, oh, God, what is her name? Let me look it up. I will not leave her off this list. It's a, um, a sibling trio, and they are a part of a televangelist family, and their father is played by John Goodman. Uh, where is she at? Edie Patterson. So, they're a televangelist family, and they they're basically making fun of like the Joel Osteen's of the world and like other te- televangelical televangelicals or however you pronounce it, and having like the mega churches and not really caring about anyone but themselves and everything. And so it's a you know it's a farcical look at it. It's really funny, uh, the first season, and you know I've really appreciated. Um, Danny's shows on HBO, whether it be Eastbound and Down or Vice Principals. Now this It's just crazy ideas from that man's mind. And I just, I like to see it just kind of unfold. Um, but yeah, the season opener to Righteous Gemstones, um, solid. And I can't wait to see where they go with it. And then also the final season of Search Party just dropped on HBO Max. I've been, I've been talking about this show for ages to you guys, and so, um, give it a shot. I, I don't know if people are gonna be like as into it like for season four and season five, but you're gonna you're gonna love the first at least the first two seasons, um, and then for three, four, and five, it's gonna trail off of the story for a little bit, but I think it still works just because I like the um, the ensemble cast and the the writing, so. Check it out if you have HBO Max. Um, I think it's a really entertaining show. It's a dark comedy. Um, we uh, watched it a while back, and I heard I heard good things about season four. So I was like, hey, let's watch season one, at least the pilot, and see if we want to continue this. We watched the pilot. We were sucked in. We're like, this is great. It's funny. It's uh, It's got this nice little mystery to it. Uh, I love all the characters, they're all deplorable, but you just, you want to see like what they do and how they cover up stuff, and I don't know, I just, I've really enjoyed it, and so the final season dropped, we watched the first two episodes of season five, um, solid start so far, um, Jeff Goldblum is on this season, so, uh, always, always fun to see that man, so, yeah, guys, it is television season, uh, apparently, um, which is good because... I don't know about the movies man. I mean we have scream coming up but that's that's it for this month. Um, you know we'll have we'll have scream and the tragedy of Macbeth hits Apple TV uh, plus um this Friday which I'll have a review for you guys as well but yeah it's it's slim pickings when it comes to like the new releases so you guys will just have to bear with me when it comes to like future episodes they, they might happen every two weeks I just I don't know what the state of anything is. So, you know, we'll just play it ear by ear. Um, ear by ear. Play it by ear <laughs> uh, every single week and just kind of go from there. But, um, yeah, it is television season, everyone. And um, hopefully you guys are enjoying stuff. Uh, I know uh, one of our wonderful listeners, Brad, um, one of my faves, he, uh, you know, he, he watched The Street Next Door because of the, the recommendation that I gave. So I'm hoping... I'm I'm just hoping that whatever recommendations I I give out, I'm hoping 50% of them stick. I know that my tastes are not going to be like 100% like everyone else's, but you know, if I can pitch five shows and you like one, maybe two, I'll call it a win. (laughs) So uh, I I get that it's, um, you know, uh, tastes are different for different people. So. But yeah, um, that's pretty much it in terms of ketchup. Um, I was going to talk about Matrix Resurrections and Licorice Pizza. But you know what I haven't done in a while? You guys are going to love this. I think you guys are going to get a kick out of this. You know what I haven't done in a while? I haven't done a pop-up review in quite some time. Have not done a surprise review. Drop it in your lap type of review where you know what the title of the episode is, you know which two I'm going to be talking about, but let's talk about a third one. That's right, The Matrix Resurrections and Licorice Pizza are both receiving hate and love at the same time, controversy abound, right? You know what other film is having a lot of controversy that I missed last year that I could didn't get to talk about with you guys don't look up that's right uh so i saw that movie as well and let's go ahead and review it let's break down don't look up so here we go this one is uh from adam mckay and it comes from netflix uh this one tells the story of two level two low level astronomers that must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy the earth so you know all-star cast Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, uh, Timothy Chalamet, um, Tyler Perry, Kate Blanchett. Uh, this thing is absolutely stacked, but Adam McKay is no wizard to casting. He can always pull whoever he wants in his movies, and that's actually kind of a nice, uh, um, you know, trait that he has. <laughs> so, uh, hey, good for him. He knows how to uh, schmooze people. So, a lot of people online are really just not loving the fact that this is kind of like an in-your-face satire. A lot of people don't really find it funny. Um, and it's just kind of a, a long waste of time of, you know, like someone hitting you over the head with a hammer uh, and not letting up for two hours and 18 minutes. I get all that. Um, and going into this, I was I was excited for it. Um, I like... Adam McKay for the most part. Uh, some of the earlier comedies that he has made are some of my favorites of all time. And then he has slowly dived into, you know, some of uh, the subject matter that uh, affects him personally. You know, and he just wants to say something about it. With the big short and the, the um, 2008 crash. And, you know, with Vice uh, focusing on a very um, controversial political figure. And now with this, you know, with an impending doom and apocalyptic uh, paranoia there's a lot on this man's mind he just wants to do it in a kind of farcical, satirical nature so I was looking forward to it do I agree with people online that are saying it's it's too abrasive doesn't really have any nuance and it's just kind of a lazy piece of uh, comedy I would agree to that to some extent I didn't find this movie like super dumb or offensive it's just kind of like it is what it is some of the stuff did make me chuckle um you know adam mckay is very good at letting actors uh improv on set and so you have this kind of rapid fire uh dialogue transition between characters and some of it works and some of it doesn't but i will agree that there are some jokes that just feel kind of lazy and on the nose and don't really have any nuance or any kind of um you know mystery behind the joke it's just it very blunt and in your face but that didn't really bother me um i would say my biggest complaints on this movie uh probably probably some of the jokes um that uh don't really work for me and they're kind of just eye rollers uh at the end of the day it's actually just the uh, the length of the film two hours and 18 minutes is a tad long Uh, i think they could have shortened this tremendously um and maybe it would have um had a better pace to it a better rhythm to it because as i was watching it i was like. I'm enjoying myself watching all of these actors and actresses kind of go against typeface, but I kind of get bored with it after a while. And I wanted to, to kind of pick up a little bit more momentum and they would introduce new characters, but it was too late in the game at that point. And it's just like, yeah, you could have definitely cut out um, some fat on this story and uh, made it a little little leaner. Uh, but that's actually my biggest complaint is just that it's just too long and they need to uh, shorten it for sure. Um, could it, could Adam McKay take a more uh, nuanced route or a more like medium ground uh, in terms of uh, approaching the satire for this? Absolutely, but he didn't. Um, we got what we got, and I was just kind of okay with it overall. I didn't really like it, I didn't really hate it. It's just kind of like okay. Um, like I said, I I had more fun watching the actors and actresses in this film go against typeface and do something that we don't really get to see them do. And so that was just kind of fun to see them flex their acting muscle a little bit. And um, I, I appreciated that. But yeah, I just, uh, I'm kind of neutral with it. Um, I think the performances are, are super committed. Um, I, I love the uh, ferociousness of every single person, uh, whether it be Leonardo DiCaprio's kind of timid, um, kind of anxious uh, character, Jennifer Lawrence's kind of trailblazing attitude, or uh, Meryl Streep's dumb, dumb. <laughs> um, kind of approach to uh, being the president, or Jonah Hill's, you know, being a mama's boy, and uh, you know, uh, always looking for approval for his mom, and you know, just everyone, especially like Kate Blanchett uh, being this uh, high-profile TV anchor who um, gets what she wants, and she doesn't really care about (laughs) ruining other people's lives. She's a terrible person, but it's something we don't really get to see from her, and that was really cool to see her kind of just go outside of her, her comfort zone and her box a little bit, And just kind of uh, go for it. So it's kind of like a mixed bag for me. I honestly have nothing more to say. I know a lot of people uh, doing think pieces and all that stuff um, on this and going deep, deep into it. I didn't really see it that way. I saw it as just an okay movie of a man that has a lot of issues that he wants to talk about. He put it in a satirical form. Some of it works. Some of it doesn't. But I'm very wholly impressive by the cast that he can get in every single one of his films. So, there you go. Um, have I given up on Adam McKay yet? I don't think so. Um, I think he's really great at making comedies. Um, like I say Anchorman, Talladega and Step Brothers is one of the most impressive three comedy runs I've I've seen in my entire life. Um, and that includes um like Judd Apatow and stuff, and I'm a huge Apatow fan. So, I know that there's talent there, but Adam is getting older, and as we get older, we start to we start to think about what's important. And I get that. I, I get that he he cares about social issues, and I, I get that he cares about uh, everything that's um, uh, going on. And he just wants to show how outrageous some of the events in our life. Uh, uh, are and he just wants to present it in a way to where it's like why aren't we doing something about this? We live with a bunch of dumb people. I mean that's basically what you get from watching this. Um could he've handled it better? Sure, but um for what we got, I don't really see the the hubbub about it. I thought it was just okay. So there you go. So uh yeah, that's my review of uh, Don't Look Up. Uh, please let me know down below what you thought of it and please uh, tell me like why Why did you hate it? Why did you love it? I would love to know, like, specifics, like, you know, what really made you angry about it, or what made you really love it, and adore um, just everything about it. So, yeah, just let me know. Um, I, uh, after the end of the movie, even though I I felt okay with it, it's very depressing, (laughs) for sure. Um, Very nihilistic attitude. Um, Not much hope. Yeah. I'm going to cry now, so... (laughs) That is my review of Don't Look Up. Please let me know down below uh, what you thought about it. And um, yeah, I I like doing doing these uh, surprise ones on you guys. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed that. So when we come back from the break, uh, our first film that we will be going over is Matrix Resurrections. Uh, So yeah, tune in uh, to find out what I think about it. So I'll see you guys then. (laughs) And welcome back to the episode. Uh, After the first break, let's talk about Matrix Resurrections. You know, this film has a lot of people that I follow online that are really loving it. Some of them are really hating it. So it's kind of all over the place. So uh, let's not waste any more time. I'll give you my two cents on it. So let's break down Matrix Resurrections. So, you know, this one uh, is obviously the fourth one in the Matrix franchise. And this one tells the story of... um, uh, Neo, returning uh, to a world of two realities, one everyday life and the other what lies behind it. To find out if his reality is a construct, to truly know himself, Mr. Anderson will have to choose to follow the white right rabbit, right rabbit once more. So, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I I was looking forward to this movie, but I wasn't like super excited about it. Now, the wife and I actually, we watched one through three before uh number four so because she had never seen them she wanted to see four so i i hadn't seen them in a long time so it made perfect sense to me i love the first one. First one's great um it lays the groundwork for this wonderful science fiction mystery of like what's real and what's not and you know what is the matrix all about and you know what's in our minds and like what's a dream and all that stuff and red pull, blue pill iconic fight sequences iconic one-liners Keanu Reeves for crying out loud it's an iconic movie and re-watching it especially for 1999 it holds up and I love it uh, especially with the uh, special effects and everything it's good stuff Matrix Reloaded I didn't think it was that bad you know when I watched it as a kid obviously I was 13 when it came out so I was just more concerned with like the action sequences and like the gunplay and everything, because teenage boy. And I still think that car sequence um, in the middle of the movie is one of the more outstanding things I have ever seen as a kid. Uh, I was blown away by that whole sequence. Um, but I really wanted to concentrate on like the ideas that were presented and how it kind of like uh, elevated the first one. And where it was going to take the story and lay in the groundwork for the, the conclusion, which is, you know, revolutions. Besides them introducing, I think, a little too many subplots, Reloaded, I didn't think it was that bad. I, I kind of liked it. I was just like, hey, listen, is it going to match the first one? No, it never will. But for a follow-up, it was not that bad. And it was it was like laying the groundwork to something epic, which is the war against the humans and the machines. And I was here for it. I was like, cool. Reloaded, I think, holds up. Then we get to Matrix Revolutions. Um, It kind of falls flat. Uh, I don't think the war between the humans and the machines had as much impact as uh, the movie made it out to be. Like, It made it seem like it was just like epic, like once-in-a-lifetime type of thing. It just was just cannon fodder happening for like an hour with people dying that we didn't really care about and introducing new people. And it's just, it seemed like they were just trying to rush something to conclude the story as fast as possible. And it just, I really didn't, um, yeah, it didn't really affect me that much. And also what really bothered me is when they get to the, you know, when they go back to the real world or the the matrix, everyone's super powered. It's just like Superman fighting Superman at that point, And it doesn't really have any, emotional weight to it, so it's just, you know, two powerful beings fighting one another, uh, uh, with Neo and Agent Smith, and it's just like, there's, there's no stakes there, and so there's no, there's no reason to care, and so, um, and by the end of it, it's just like, okay, so it definitely loses a lot of momentum, a lot of the air is popped out of the tire, uh, when you get to the third one, um, but overall, as a collective, besides some of my issues with the third one and some minor issues with the second one it's honestly not a bad trilogy overall um so that that's just what i was thinking of it on uh, a rewatch and i i was surprised so going into the fourth one i didn't know what to expect because the third one kind of left a a sour taste in your your mouth and it's just like well where are they going to go with it i had to watch it twice and i did that for you guys First time, full disclosure, had some drinks beforehand. I can typically watch movies and have a few drinks. I didn't get sick. I didn't fall asleep. I was very uncomfortable in the theater that I was at. It was um, super hot in there. And so, like, I was wearing pants and, like, a jacket and, like, I was sweating and, like, I was just getting anxious. And, of course, when you have a couple drinks it, it, um, it doesn't help. So I, that was like the first time in a while where I actually had to step out of the theater and like, just get some air. I was like, wow, it was extremely hot in there for no reason. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I saw like, I'd say like 85% of it. And then by the end of it, I just like, I didn't care. I was just so, I was so angry in the mood that I was in. I was just like, I didn't even want to think about it. And that's why I didn't really review it for you guys right away, because I was like, it's it's not fair. It's not fair to you to do that. So I was like, if I'm going to actually review this on my channel, I have to watch it again. I, I just have to. I have to give it a fair shot. So I, first time I watched it in the theaters, second time I watched it at home on HBO Max. The second time, watching it from start to finish, I have concluded that The Matrix Resurrections... It's fine. I don't think it's worth the controversy or anyone to get upset about online. Like, I know there's people that vehemently really hate it. People that absolutely love it. Wonderful. I'm glad you found something in it. For me, I thought it was just okay. Now, there's a lot of things I really liked about it. And a lot of things that were just kind of so-so. And it felt like a, a setup for another potential trilogy didn't really feel like a complete... Story, it just felt like a, a wonderful first step into a new uh, trilogy story. So, some of the things I liked I, I liked seeing everyone come back uh, Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss. I love their chemistry. Um, I love uh, just them in action. I, I love just them in this world. They they are the Matrix, and uh, I really appreciate that. The newcomers are also, I think, good. Um, Yaya Modul, uh obtain the second. He plays young Morpheus. I love that man's charisma. I, he, he can charm anyone in a room. And I think this is just uh, another example of that. Um, him being a young Morpheus, um, really fun to see, uh, Jessica Hardwick. Uh, I believe that's her name. She comes from the iron fit iron fist series. She was a nice little addition. Um, I liked all the characters that were introduced. I had no problem with that. Um, Jonathan Groff, one of my favorites. Uh, he pops up in this Neil Patrick Harris, you know, he's fine for, uh, the amount that he's in. Um, but yeah, I, I like the, the freshness that the series brought while also, um, you know, talking about going back into the Matrix and like, you know, rebooting itself and like, you know, having this commentary on um, reboots in general, which by the way, Matrix Resurrections, I'm not going to take credit for this because I saw it on Twitter, but you should have called it Matrix Rebooted. It makes sense. For the commentary that you're trying to say on uh, Hollywood reboots. And also, it's a computer. It's like, (laughs) makes sense to me. Um, Matrix Reboot would have been perfect. Um, That's a little nitpick. But yeah, I I liked uh, the the characters that were introduced, uh, new and old. Uh, I like the world that it it sets up, as usual. I think um, Alana Wachowski, like, the Wachowskis, like, they they set up this world. And I think they, they did a pretty good job. Uh, and this one kind of recapturing that Matrix magic and f- making you feel like you're transported to two different worlds. The special effects are also outstanding, breathtaking even sometimes. Um, and once again, it's it's like they never left. They never left that that visual eye that they have for the Matrix and making uh, this wonderful combination of slow mo and kung fu and um, hyperactive uh, you know action sequences. It's like it's, it's its own unique thing. And so I, uh, I think once again, capturing that um, kind of magic, I think they did that uh, beautifully. I think my issues with the film, which make it just kind of neutral for me, is that there's a lot of ideas that are introduced and a lot of you know concepts that are introduced. Um, You know, I I, for instance, I love the uh, kind of portal that they have uh, going from worlds, uh, going in between worlds through mirrors. That's cool. Uh, nice little addition. Don't really explain anything further than that. Um, you know, they bring up many concepts once again about you know what it means to be alive and you know what it, what does it mean to feel and you know all that stuff. And that and that's the other thing is that these movies have always been about romance. These movies have always been about love and feeling and knowing what it means to be human. And it's not all about computers and uh, code. It, it's like there there's something more to life than that. It's what we feel on the inside, and like that's what makes us human. That's what that's what drives us in our society. That's that's the whole point of this franchise, and they they touch upon that once again. Um, but I just I, I think there was just a lot of things that were kind of introduced, or a lot of things that were slightly brought up, or maybe like laid down in terms of blueprint to further discuss and explain in future movies when the future of this movie was kind of unknown, you know? So it, I appreciate the boldness. The Wachowskis have always been bold, but, um, and, and oh, oh yeah, by the way, it's just one of the Wachowskis this time. It's not both of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I think they relied heavily on setting up a lot of things for a future story when this was just kind of unknown and we didn't know if this was going to be successful or not. So I think that would be my, my biggest issue with it um, but yeah, I just, I, I, after the second time, I kind of just realized that the movie's just fine, and I don't know if that's worse (laughs) than saying I hate it or love it, because I'm just kind of neutral with it, but I didn't really think there's, like, that much to, like, get upset about, um, you know, a lot of people are complaining about the fourth wall breaking, if you will, them, uh, making fun of themselves, and Warner Brothers, and, the matrix is a game and like we got to make a fourth once like yes was some of that stuff annoying sure but like that was like 10 15 minutes in the beginning of the movie and that's about it once again it's not really like enough to like get upset about so i don't know a lot of thoughts all over the place but uh i think yeah i'm just gonna kind of land on in the middle with it so uh but let me know though down below what you think of the Matrix Resurrections? First of all, should it have been called Matrix Rebooted. I think it, I think it probably should have. Um, let me know down below whether you loved it or hated it, and I would like to know why. Like, especially like if you loved it, like please like like let me understand. I've never been like the biggest Matrix fan. Like, oh my god, it's like one of my favorite movies ever. Like the first one is awesome, and then like you know sequel is good. Third one kind of poo poos out a little bit. But I'm not like, you know, uh, some hardcore fan. Show me that you're a hardcore fan. Show me why you loved Matrix 4. I would like to know your perspective on it. And that will do it for my review of Matrix Resurrections. Please let me know down below or or tag me or whatever you need to do. uh, And let me know whether you loved it or hated it. I would like to know your, uh, your thoughts on it. When we come back from the second break, I will be going over Licorice Pizza, the new Paul Thomas Anderson film. Uh, With the uh, late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, uh, Cooper Hoffman, and Elena Haim. It's receiving a lot of critical uh, praise, but also a lot of controversy (laughs) online. I will address all of that when we come back. And welcome back from the second break. Let's not waste any more time. Uh, Let's talk about some Licorice Pizza. Licorice Pizza is the newest film from Paul Thomas Anderson, one of my favorites. Um, And this is the story of Alana Kane and Gary Valentine growing up, running around, and going through the treacherous navigation of first love in San Fernando Valley, 1973. So going into this, I was already excited for it. Huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan, and I owe that to... Uh, one of my friends, Martin Graham, back in college, uh, I was never aware of his films. And if I saw them, I didn't really understand them. And so when he introduced me to Hard Eight um, and Boogie Nights, Magnolia, There Will Be Blood and Punch Drunk Love, it was, just, it was such a swirl of just excellence from this man. Different genres that he tackles, and he does it so well. He can flip from Punch Drunk Love, which is a romantic comedy, um, drama even, going into There Will Be Blood, which is a horror film. I still think that's a horror film to this day. So is Phantom Thread to some extent. Um, (laughs) and then Boogie Nights is like, you know, this, uh, uh, sexy drama. Magnolia is an epic, um, Hard Eight is uh, his his gangster movie. Uh, Yeah, Phantom Thread. What am I missing? Oh, uh, The Master, which is really existential. Like, it's just, he's really great um, at tackling different things. And I think that's what's really great about Paul Thomas Anderson is you never know what you're going to get. And so with this one, Licorice Pizza, this is a flat-out romance. Coming-of-age film. Between two characters at different points in their life. um, Just trying to figure it out. Uh, One being 15 and one being 25, 28. Um, And so uh, that is your movie with this one. So it's going to be completely different from like Phantom Thread a few years back. So that's why uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is, uh, he is the GOAT. Uh, So the controversy with this one. The controversy being that the main character of Gary Valentine, played by the wonderful Cooper Hoffman, is 15 in the film, and Alana Kane, played by Alana Haim, she is 25, 28. She she says 28, and I think because she's trying to be an actress in the movie, but... So, it's a humongous age difference, and a lot of people online are just screaming pedophilia, cancel this movie... Yada, yada, yada. It endorses it. Let me just say up front, this relationship is inappropriate if you were to see this in real life. It just is. Two, this movie does not endorse this. This is a fantasy. This is a movie. It is not real. And three, if you actually watch the movie... They actually stop themselves several times. It gets very uncomfortable, but they stop themselves because they know that's not what they're supposed to do. They say they say it many times in the movie. Listen, I am older than you. I cannot be doing this. She unfortunately gets swept. She gets swept up in like this this false romance that she has in her head. Um, but that doesn't make her maniacal or like a pedophile. I just think both these characters are lost, and they're grasping at straws if you will finding any type of just affection from a human be- a human being whether uh, just as little as like a hug that to me is sad i never saw this as like a gross like pedophilia thing so that's why i was really confused online when people were just screaming at the top of their lungs about this like did you even watch it now at the end of the film spoiler alert they share a kiss is it uncomfortable? Yes. But that's and, and plus the movie like ends shortly right after that. So everything's left up in the air, anyways. They could have easily broken up like the next day. So I don't know. Um I get why people are concerned. <clears throat> but if you actually watch the movie, um is it in, inappropriate if you saw this in real life? Yes. Um, but this is a movie, it is fantasy, does not endorse it. Um, and they don't even take it to that level. So I I just, I don't know what else to say about that, but that's the controversy surrounding this one. So how is the actual movie? It's not, it's not one of my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movies. I might need to rewatch it again. Maybe I'll have a, a better enlightenment if you will. But for right now, I like it. It's a good movie. Um, I think in terms of like romances and coming of age films and stuff, what you really have to rely on is your two leads. If they do not work, if they do not have chemistry or any type of camaraderie or bubbliness between them, personality, then your movie falls flat. Cooper Hoffman and Elena Haim. They're wonderful. They're very just bubbly people. um, their friendship is just absolutely adorable in this movie um they uh they just go very well together in the scenes like as if they're not even reading a script it just feels really natural and kind of organic and you can definitely tell that their um their kinship was alive and well on set to where it wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if after this movie they still remained in contact and they were still friends um, they, they bring this movie so much life and so much love and just positivity, I guess. I don't know. You just, you feel good watching it. Cause you're just like, these are just two people growing up. They're trying to figure it out. We've all been there. And I think, uh, just seeing them just being their charming selves really carries the story. And you really just care about their journey. It's, it's an aimless journey. It's a slice of life. There's really like no purpose to anything they're just trying stuff they start a business together they um, they discuss you know world and political views they um, talk about minuscule things like food or you know what they want to do and like even though one's 15 and one's like 28 they're still trying to figure each other out the one that's 28 I've been there I don't know I didn't know what was going on (laughs) A few years ago, and I think that's kind of the point. Is it doesn't matter what age you're at. Is that we're all still trying to figure it out, and wrapping it into this um, this film set in the '70s and just having the the vibrancy of the production design, the costuming, and everything. It's just a it's a wonderful experience. And uh, I saw one of the pull quotes on this movie: "Intoxicating." That's also a great word. Um, Magnetized just like I was just glued to the screen the entire time just appreciating the the wonderful and smooth cinematography or the the color uh, that was just popping and just just uh, sucking you in with uh, the 70s aesthetic the the dialogue which was very punctual and funny and uh, just uh, just charming and just all of it just kind of worked together as, as this wonderful coming of age film. I wouldn't even, Yeah, I wouldn't even call it a romance film. I would just say it's a coming-of-age film with two people at different points in their life. So there you go. Um, Cooper Hoffman. Son of late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Rest in peace. One of my favorites. Gone way too soon. It is eerie to see him perform like his dad. And it makes me super happy to know that he's going to carry on his legacy... And hopefully he gets more roles uh, from this movie. But Cooper Hoffman's gonna be a star in the making, and so is uh, uh, a Elena Ham. I've never heard of her music before watching this movie, but um, she she's wonderful in this. If she wants to balance a acting singing career, go for it. I think uh, I think she's got talent in both. Because even before this movie, I started listening to some of her music. My wife played some in the car. A couple days, they're good. I, I thought they were gonna honestly. This is my bad, but I thought just they were going to be like some stereotypical, like hippie folklore, pretentious music that didn't really have any point to it. Um, but no, they're actually like really good. So um, I, I appreciated both of them. And I think they're stars in the making. The supporting cast was also really fun. Um, Sean Penn plays a maniacal m- movie producer, Bradley Cooper also plays a very. Uh, sociopathic movie producer. <laughs> um, and that's another thing that I've always really liked about Paul Thomas Anderson films is like, because this, this kind of reminds me of um, like Boogie Nights where it's two characters that we follow throughout their lives um, and they cut through many uh, points in real life that had real characters in it and we're just kind of seeing them interact with them. So it just kind of cuts through specific events and people's timelines Uh, And that's why we get characters like Sean Penn and Bradley Cooper's character who were based on real people. So, but yeah, I think uh, the supporting cast was also really fun to watch. Elena Hames' uh, family played her family um, in the film, and they were uh, her dad's hilarious. Her dad's super funny. He's got great comedic timing. So, um, and that's another thing. Comedic timing was great across everyone. Uh, Cooper Hoffman has that. uh, skill like his dad did where Philip c- could turn it on a dime and be this powerhouse dramatic performance but then also flip it and have like the best one liner to follow that and just make you laugh he's just absolutely magnetic and so is his son so um, yeah uh, that, that's pretty much it with the cast um, like I said it looks really great um, cinematography is always on point from PTA and he also co-shot this one too, uh, "The Man's Machine." He can shoot, edit, direct, write. Um, I want to see Paul do a, I want to see him put, put himself in a role uh, in his one of his movies. Pull, pull an Alfred Hitchcock. Um, I think that'd be that'd be fun. Um, yeah. So uh, I I really enjoyed this film. Uh, it's not one of my favorites uh, from Paul Thomas Anderson. I uh, if I had to pick a romance one that I I liked more. Between, like, this Phantom Thread and, like, Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love is going to be one of my favorites from him, period. So, it's a high bar to reach. But this one gets pretty close. Um, I know a lot of people that I follow online uh, really love Licorice Pizza. Um, some of them thought it was just okay. I like it. Um, and I'm comfortable with saying that. So, let me know down below. Um, whether you loved it or hated it. If you want to be a troll and... Um, say that uh, I'm disgusting for liking this movie, then I, I don't know what to tell you. So, But yeah, uh, let me know uh, down below uh, what you think of Licorice Pizza. Um, and I'd be curious to know what the awards chances are for this one. I think Paul Thomas Anderson has a good shot at, at least being nominated for original screenplay. And maybe Elena Haim uh, for Best Actress? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where it's going to in the awards run and those are my thoughts on licorice pizza please let me know down below tag me do whatever you need to do and let me know what you thought of the movie and that will do it for this episode guys episode 343 is in the can next episode 344 you will get my review of scream you're probably asking like the first one or the fifth one just scream that's why they decided to call the fifth one. So that's what we're rolling with. Uh, no. So the main review will be Scream 5. And I will also have my kind of recap reviews of one through four. Um, I don't think I've ever reviewed those on this channel for you guys. So um, enjoy. So uh, next episode will just be Screamtastic. Uh, so I'm excited to um, talk about all that with you guys. So yeah, look forward to next week. And as far as this week goes, thank you for tuning in and listening on this day or night or whenever. You are listening to this. You guys are awesome, amazing, absolutely stupendous. You guys keep me going. You guys keep me motivated. I absolutely love every single one of you. Um, please, you know, follow, like this episode, spread it around, let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to. Follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff on social media, and I will see you guys for the next episode of Real Me and A Movie Podcast. I am Chase Lee, and I'll see you guys next time.